Greetings, this is podcast number 92 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today, I have some great news for you. New polling data gives you and me some really heavy-duty ammo to fight back against a particular type of name-calling by the right that some of us have endured for decades. It all relates to wealth distribution in America. Let's get right into it. My sources are the Gallup Polling Organization, CommonDreams.org, and FairEconomy.org. Back in the 60s and early 70s, if you were organizing against the Vietnam War, you got used to being called a communist or a commie or a Marxist. If the right-winger was in a kinder mood, he or she would only call you a socialist. Okay, we were in a Cold War with the Soviet Union, so this name-calling by the feeble-minded was at least somewhat understandable. Moving forward to the 1980s, if you were organizing against Ronald Reagan's policy of aiding the Contra terrorists in Nicaragua, again, those lovely sobriquets, communist, commie, Marxist, were once again lobbed at you. And again, the Cold War was still in full swing, so we understood where the name-calling was coming from. What amazed me was, when I started the RationalRadical.com website in 2001, and continuing through with my hosting of the Blast the Right podcast starting in 2005, that same name-calling continued, long after the demise of the Soviet Union, and with both China and Vietnam adopting more and more capitalistic elements to their economies. Just out of curiosity, I searched in my negative email folder for these terms. Several dozen emails turned up. I glanced through a bunch of them. Here's a delightful sampling, usually provoked by my website or podcast, bringing up the issue of the unfair and unsustainable maldistribution of wealth in our country. You are all jealous communists. Another. If you were to write down what your ideal government would look like, I would bet everything I own it looks exactly the same as the Communist Manifesto. I should have bet that guy and taken everything he owned. Here's a good one. You are nothing more than a misguided leftover communist, foolhardily advocating Marxist philosophy that, quite simply, does not work. And how about this? You are all a bunch of lazy socialists with tired, worn-out ideas that never amount to a hill of beans. Never amount to a hill of beans? What, was this guy watching the movie Casablanca right before he wrote to me? Here, finally, are two of the more extreme emails. Apparently, your solution is to squash our country's soul and become communists or socialists. And your god, Mao Zedong, murdered millions under the guise of equal distribution of wealth. You have gone down a road that history teaches us leads to the worst holocaust in history, KKK communism. Wow, I really had no idea I was squashing our country's soul and that my god was Mao. My curiosity peaked once more. I did a search of my website, and in six years, I've mentioned Mao twice. Once his name was included as an incorrect answer to a question on my right-winger's IQ, ignorance quotient test. 
The correct answer to the question as to who had spoken the quoted social justice-oriented words was Pope John Paul II. The other time I wrote that right-wingers were making Al Franken out to be the reincarnation of Mao and Lenin combined, despite the fact that Franken is actually quite moderate in his views as Democrats go. So that last email writer who said my God was Mao, I guess he was extrapolating a bit, huh? And what was he extrapolating from? Which is the same thing all these email writers I just quoted and right-wingers in general always base this sort of name-calling on. It's simply when all you're talking about is elementary fairness. Kindergarten, share your toys in the sandbox. Indeed, share the sandbox itself. Don't take up half of it by yourself. In other words, you and I are simply saying we don't want those at the top to wind up with so much of the nation's income and wealth that those at the bottom have too little to get by to live a decent life by American standards. I throw that last phrase in by American standards because I have right-wingers write in challenging me to tell them where I see people starving in the streets. They don't see that, they proudly tell me. Isn't that a nice standard for the richest nation in the history of the world to have? We don't have people starving to death in our streets. Yay for us! All this being said, I said I have some heavy-duty ammo for you to definitively counter this type of name-calling. This ammo may, in fact, rise to the nuke level. Here are the three main pieces of ordinance which come in the form of the conclusions of a recent Gallup poll. First, a large majority of Americans support the principle that wealth should be more evenly distributed in America. Second, a similarly large majority of Americans feel that the rich pay too little in taxes. And third, the mother of all revelations, about half of Americans advocate heavy taxation of the rich in order to redistribute wealth. Wow! This means, next time you're called a commie or a Marxist or a socialist, you can reply, well, so is half of America then, by your definition, Mr. or Ms. Right-Winger. Guess the country's turned red. Let's delve into the juicy details. Early last month, Gallup asked a sampling of Americans the following question. Quote, do you feel that the distribution of money and wealth in this country today is fair, or do you feel that money and wealth in this country should be more evenly distributed among a larger percentage of the people? Close quote. Now sit down for this. 66% of the country, two-thirds, Two out of three Americans said that no, the distribution of money and wealth in this country is not fair and that the money and wealth in this country should be distributed more evenly among a larger percentage of the people. You know, I always bring up the fact that the richest 10% of Americans own 70% of the wealth and then I ask, how much more do they want? 80%? 90%? All of it? These poll results show that the American public and I are in sync. Who would have thunk it? I thought I was spitting into the wind. I must be watching too much Bill O'Reilly and Hannity and Combs. The American public does see and hear and feel and understand what's happening. 
does it warm the cockles of your heart as it does mine to now know that two out of three Americans recognize the fundamental unfairness of the economic situation in our nation. So when Bill O'Reilly says, When you hear far-left Americans use the terms economic justice or income inequality, you should know these are code words for socialism. I guess he'll now have to add that two-thirds of the folks, as he likes to demeaningly label those to whom he preaches, that two-thirds of the folks are socialists. The way the numbers on this question played out over time, shifted over the last decades, is real interesting. Gallup in their press release didn't break it down like this, so here's a blast the right exclusive analysis. One of my mantras is that everything the right does is designed to either A, transfer wealth from everyone else to the rich, or B, distract everyone else from the fact that A, that wealth transfer, is occurring. And the percentage of people who think the U.S. wealth distribution is unfair does indeed rise and fall depending on whether there's a right winger in office or not. That transfer of wealth from everyone else to the rich is being noticed during periods of right-wing rule. The first time the question was asked was in 1984, towards the end of Reagan's first term. Unfair won out over fair by 60 to 31 percent. By the end of Reagan's term and midway through Papa Bush's first term, by which time the results of over a decade of right-wing economic policies would have been even more evident and the pain they produced even more keenly felt, the unfair to fair ratio had increased to 66 to 28 percent. But then by the end of Clinton's first term, the unfair to fair ratio had narrowed again to 56 to 38 percent. But then what happened under George W.? The number of people thinking wealth was unfairly distributed began to rise again, up to 63 percent in 2003, and then increasing again last month to 66 percent, the current figure I cited earlier. But there's more, and it touches upon a right-winger's most precious concept, their be-all and end-all of political action, cutting taxes, especially on the wealthy. So after you zap them with the two-thirds think wealth distribution is unfair bomb, blast them even further with this. The Gallup poll asked, quote, as I read off some different groups, please tell me if you think they are paying their fair share in federal taxes, paying too much, or paying too little, close quote. For the category upper income people, 9% said they pay too much, 21% say they pay their fair share, and 66% of Americans feel upper income people pay too little in taxes. This result makes perfect sense since if 66% of the public feels that wealth is not fairly distributed in America, that same 66% would logically also feel that the rich are not paying their fair share in taxes. The poll also asked a somewhat inflammatory question, which I'll just tell you about so you can understand the depth of public emotion. The question was, quote, as far as you are concerned, do we have too many rich people in this country, too few, or about the right amount, close quote. In 1990, 21% said there were too many rich people. In 1998, that figure went up to 25%. And in April 2007, it had jumped to 37%. As Gallup nicely put it, quote, Here we have evidence of a growing resentment towards the rich. The percentage of Americans who say there are too many rich people in the United States, 
although still a minority, is up significantly from the two times in the 1990s when this question was asked. Close quote. Too many rich people. Sounds like the pitchforks and lighted torches are being readied. I could be a target as well. I hope I get credit, like FDR, for being on the correct side of this issue, if not exactly on the poor side of the income scale. After a short break, we'll go over the solution to this problem that about half of Americans advocate. Not pitchforks and flaming torches, but an equally frightening scenario to any self-respecting right-winger. It's the stake through the right-wing heart. Your one-minute voting report, Blast the Right, finished April at number four on the Podcast Alley Top Ten. Thank you for that great voting turnout. Being so high in the Top Ten actually seems to garner lots more new listeners than just being at number eight or number nine, so I hope we can maintain our position. All the podcasts we leapfrogged over will undoubtedly be redoubling their efforts in May, so we have to also. We have started out strongly in May, currently at number three. Please vote and get your friends to check out Blast the Right and vote if they want to support this way of spreading the progressive word. Peter from the UK had a suggestion, quote, I'm sure most people listening to podcasts have some kind of PIM software on their computers. A reminder popping up on your computer right where you need to be to vote would be much more effective than a whole month of Jack offering his deal while I'm on the journey to work. Perhaps you could suggest that to your listeners. Close quote. Okay, I just did. Thanks for that idea, Peter. Whichever way you remember, please do vote. There's a one-click link on the podcast homepage to do so. We've clearly established, and you can confidently tell any right-winger, that 66% of the American public feels that wealth is not fairly distributed in this country, and that the same 66% of Americans feel that the rich pay too little in taxes. Now we'll get into the third sweet little nothing you can whisper in a right-winger's ear. Back in 1939, that cheerleader for capitalism, Fortune magazine, commissioned a poll by the Roper Organization. Roper, wasn't that the name of the landlord in Three's Company? Strange how that popped into my head. Anyway, one of the questions in that 1939 poll was, quote, People feel differently about how far a government should go. Here is a phrase which some people believe in and some don't. Do you think our government should or should not redistribute wealth by heavy taxes on the rich, close quote. Even though the country was still in the Great Depression, quote, only a minority of Americans, 35%, said the government should impose heavy taxes on the rich in order to redistribute wealth. A slight majority, 54%, said the government should not. 11% didn't have an opinion, close quote. Frankly, to me, 35% of the public favoring heavy taxes on the rich to redistribute wealth would be more than I would ever expect. But I'm actually more wrong than that. 
Because continuing on, in 1998, Gallup posed the same question. And guess what? Quote, the percentage willing to say that the government should redistribute wealth had gone up by 10 points. Close quote. The proposition still lost, but only by about 50 to 45 percent. I'd take that any day to have 45% of the public supporting heavy taxation on the rich in order to redistribute wealth? Did you ever think such a course of action would enjoy such widespread support? But it gets even better. Gallup, asking the same question just last month, found that more Americans now supported than opposed the proposition that the government should use heavy taxes on the rich to redistribute wealth. 49% of us said yay, 47% said nay. A plurality, not a majority, but a slap-your-forehead-in-amazement result nonetheless. Back in the Great Depression, Americans rejected this wealth distribution by heavy taxes on the rich course of action by 54 to 35%. Now Americans support it 49 to 47%. This is despite some 27 years from Reagan's ascendancy in 1980 of relentless right-wing propaganda about the dire necessity to lower taxes, especially on the wealthy. Despite the millions of ditto heads listening to Rush and Hannity's nearly as large audience of blindly following lemmings. It's despite 27 years of right-wing propaganda, but of course, it's precisely because of right-wing policies favoring the wealthy and shifting income and wealth in their direction. Ah, these poll results. What a surprise. A pleasant surprise, but a surprise nevertheless. When you tell this to your friendly local right-winger, I imagine they'll be equally surprised, but it'll be an unpleasant surprise. Good. The American public supports heavy taxes on the wealthy to redistribute wealth. This is, indeed, nuke-level ammo to totally blast the right to smithereens. Obliterate them! And it couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of guys, right? A few tidbits about the poll, which may or may not figure in the way you present it to a right-winger, but I want to give you that option. The richer a person, the less likely that person would want to see the rich taxed. Quote, the data show that as one gets closer to being what Americans consider rich, one is also less interested in the rich being taxed heavily. This relationship is fairly linear. The more money one makes in general, the more likely one is to say that the government should not be imposing heavy taxes on the rich. Close quote. Besides the level of wealth, the numbers divide according to party affiliation, as you might expect. The should heavily tax the wealthy viewpoint wins out among Democrats by 63 to 32 percent and is supported by independents as well, 51 to 43 percent. It only loses among Republicans, 30 to 68 percent. I'm surprised that even 30 percent of Republicans support heavily taxing the wealthy in order to achieve a fairer distribution of wealth in our country. Apparently, there's still a fairly sizable segment of the Republican Party with Rockefeller Republican-type sensibilities, and these voters should be prime targets for the Democrats. Speaking of politics, another interesting tidbit is how much Americans feel someone has to earn each year in order to be considered rich. Gallup last asked the question in 2003. The public felt that anyone earning about 120000 or more a year was rich. Since the U.S. median income, 
the amount half the people earn more than and half the people earn less than is less than half that amount, obviously most Americans don't consider themselves rich. Quote, 80% of Americans put themselves in the middle class, working class, or lower class. Only 1% identify themselves as being in the upper class, while 19% are willing to say the upper middle class. Close quote. This creates a politically potent situation. As Gallup put it, quote, These data suggest that a political platform focused on addressing the problems of the lower and middle classes, including heavier taxes on the upper class, could meet with significant approval, particularly among Democrats and those with lower incomes. Close quote. The typically overcautious front-running candidates for the Democratic presidential nomination have all said they would repeal Bush's tax cuts for those making above either $200,000 or $250,000 a year. Given the fact that Americans think about $120,000 of yearly income makes you rich, the Democrats could go a lot further. At least they're headed in the right direction. More details on this in the coming weeks. Another wrinkle. You may be wondering if 66% feel wealth should be more fairly distributed and 66% feel the wealthy pay too little in taxes, why do only 49% support heavy taxes on the wealthy to more fairly redistribute wealth? I think the word heavy, heavy taxation may have scared some people off and probably some of the 66% simply don't yet have the courage of their convictions. I would expect that 49% figure to continue to rise as it has over time. One more quick thing before we close. When you wave these poll results in front of the right-winger's face, he or she may say that while this may be what the American public believes, they're wrong, the rich should not be taxed more heavily. So here's a bit of analysis for you to chew on about why it's totally proper that the wealthy be taxed more heavily. This is in addition to the moral issue that no group should take so much of the nation's wealth that there's not enough for those at the bottom to get by. This is from a piece by George Lakoff. Quote, Ordinary people just drive on the highways. Corporations send fleets of trucks. Ordinary people may get a bank loan for their mortgage. Corporations borrow money to buy whole companies. Ordinary people rarely use the courts. Most of the courts are used for corporate law and contract disputes. Corporations and their investors, those who have accumulated enough money beyond basic needs so they can invest, make much more use of the empowering infrastructure provided by everybody's tax money. The wealthy have made greater use of the common good. They have been empowered by it in creating their wealth, and thus they have a greater moral obligation to sustain it. They are merely paying their debt to society in arrears and investing in future empowerment. This is the fundamental truth that motivates progressive taxation, close quote. Put in simplest terms, Lakoff writes, quote, Warren Buffett famously observed he likely couldn't have achieved his financial success had he been born in Bangladesh instead of the United States because Bangladesh had no banking system and no stock market, close quote. Let's close on this note. The distribution of wealth in a society is a fundamental, perhaps the most fundamental determinant of the stability of that society. As the radical, gee, are they Marxist, Gallup organization wrote in their press release about the poll, quote, Most societies experience tensions revolving around inequalities of wealth among those societies' members. This seemingly inevitable fact of life 
has been at the core of revolutions throughout history. This common sense understanding of life predates by millennia the birth of Karl Marx. It goes back to biblical times. If you have the opportunity to have this discussion about wealth distribution with a right-winger of the allegedly Christian variety, you can point out to them that the Bible itself contains two radical wealth-leveling mechanisms. In the book of Deuteronomy, all debts between Israelites had to be forgiven every seven years. And in the book of Leviticus, the same book with the anti-gay language that right-wing Christians invoke as the basis for their anti-gay agenda, in the book of Leviticus, there's an even more far-reaching injunction. Every 50 years, all land had to be returned to its original owners. No one would be allowed to accumulate so much land that the rest of society couldn't get by. In an agricultural society especially, this is quite an amazing provision. So you tell any right-wing pseudo-Christian you encounter that redistribution of wealth is totally in line with our Judeo-Christian values. They should support it as such. Now it's true, as the right-winger might respond, that these two provisions were probably never implemented in ancient times. And my retort to that would be, maybe so, that's the story of mankind, is it not? The wealthy in control not doing the right thing, not even following their own religious edicts, not ruling in the interests of society as a whole, but only in their own interests. And back in biblical times, it was the job of prophets like Amos and Micah and Jeremiah to call their ruling class on economic injustice. Just like it's been the job of progressives throughout human history to speak truth to power to the rulers of their day and age. Just like it's the moral imperative of we progressives in the 21st century to push for fairer wealth distribution today. So you tell your right-winger, it's not communism or Marxism or even socialism we're talking about. It's regulated capitalism, the system we've had in the tax arena, certainly at least since passage of the 16th Amendment authorizing an income tax in 1913 and the implementation of the estate tax in 1916. Personally, I can't wait until the next opportunity I get to present these poll results and these arguments to a right-winger. I hope you look forward to doing so as well. We can do so the next time we're called one of those names, or when we're told we're out of touch with the American people, or we can just bring it up on our own to see the right-winger's reaction. Whichever way it arises, please tell me the response you get. It should be most interesting. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell many friends about Blast the Right, and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do so on the podcast homepage. You get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Why don't you go over to the podcast homepage, subscribe for free, and you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. A belated thanks to Ellen in Kansas City for help with last week's podcast. A correction. When I gave the URL of Info Clearinghouse, I should have said infoclearinghouse.info. Also, some of you have written in and told me that the feed only has 25 podcasts. 
Yes, blogger.com has changed its method. I'm trying to get around that somehow. For now, you can go to the podcast homepage, and there's a link there for you to download as a zip file episodes 1 to 30 in one zip file and episodes 31 to 60 in another zip file. Soon, there'll be a zip file also for episodes 61 to 90. Music credits. The break music was L.A. Nightmare by 22 Caliber and Not the One Blues by Burnsheet Thornside. We'll close with a little bit of Peter Finch as Howard Beale in the classic film Network, combined with No Justice, No Peace by Wacky Avelli. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Please do keep all that great email coming in. My address is rational at adelphia.net. If you prefer, you can call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also Skype me. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. You've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We're mad as hell.